Amen. Man, isn't it good to be in the presence of God? I love that we serve a God we can experience, not just learn about. That was one of the things that got me excited about serving God when I was a teenager because I had done a lot of learning, but I had no idea that you could actually experience and encounter God. And uh, that when I was a teenager, I did begin to experience God on a new level, and it, and it became different than just something I was learning about. It became, now God became a, a person that I was in relationship with, and that changes everything. Amen? Y'all aren't as excited about it as I was, but I was real excited about it when I started learning that. No, I know y'all are half asleep. That's okay. We just, let's wake up this morning and let's get everything God has for us. Amen? So we're in a series right now on prayer and fasting because we're in, a, in the middle of a 21-day fast. And if you're not familiar with what we're doing, new to the church, this is something we do every year in January. We take 21 days, set them aside, dedicate them to the Lord to fast and pray. And I've been teaching on fasting for years. I'm not going to try to uh, refresh everybody on what fasting is or what the purpose is, but uh, there's a lot of teaching on the website and on our YouTube channel, if you go uh, and find, we have a lot of series on there about fasting and prayer. But I want to talk to you specifically this morning um, about having power in prayer. Because I think there's a lot of misconception in the body of Christ about what prayer is, what the purpose of prayer is, and, and more specifically, about what can prayer really accomplish. And I've gotten frustrated through the years because Christians... Sometimes they're, they're not on the same page about issues like this, and you hear some of the craziest things get said that just aren't in line with Scripture at all. They're, they're not from Scripture, and I think people make their determinations about what prayer is a lot of times just simply from their own experience. In other words, I prayed for something and it didn't happen, so, and then they'll make a conclusion. They may say, well, so God doesn't answer those kind of prayers, or prayer... Uh, you know, only type of prayers that get answered is just whatever is the will of God. He's just going to do it his own self, you know, in that. But, and so we jump to conclusions. And so we get a, a lot of crazy ideas and, and even things taught in churches that are not in line with Scripture at all. But how many of you know that what we believe and what we hold to and what we build our life on ought to be the Word of God? Not man's opinion, not man's experience. Well, I prayed for somebody to get healed and they didn't get healed, so God must not heal. No. There might be other reasons, right? And a lot of those reasons are in Scripture. But here's what I know. The Scripture teaches that prayer is extremely important in the life of every believer. And not only is it important, it's extremely powerful. And in the way it's approached a lot of time in our society is the, uh, is the, is the opposite. It's, it's approached like, and you'll, you'll hear things like this in a football game, you know, somebody makes a pass, a Hail Mary pass or some kind of, ain't no, he ain't got no chance of catching it. And like, well, that one was a prayer. And what do they mean by that? That one barely has any chance. You know, it's like a one percenter. Is that really your idea of prayer? It's like a Hail Mary and it's got a one percent chance of, of getting answered? That's sad because that is completely opposite of Scripture. Scripture doesn't take that approach at all. Uh, that that prayer is like just a hail mary, and it's got one. It's, you know, it's the fine, after you've tried everything else. Well, just throw up a prayer, and, and maybe that'll happen. No, if that's your if that's your attitude about prayer, I feel sorry for you, because I'm going to tell you, and, I, and this may sound over dramatic, but I really believe that prayer 
is one of the most powerful forces available on this planet. That's it. That's it. And here's why. Because of what it is, by, by nature of what it is, you are communicating with a God for which nothing is impossible. You are communicating with a God that can do anything, and not only does he, not only can he do anything, the, the Bible teaches that he wants to answer your prayer. And, and he is inviting you and giving you access to come in and request, make requests and to pray, and that he has unlimited resources, unlimited power, unlimited ability to, to do and accomplish, and he's inviting you to come and pray. And we act like, oh yeah, it's just a, just a wing and a prayer. I'll tell you what, if you had that attitude about anybody else in your life, I think it would be insulting. You know, what if, what if you felt that way about your mom? You know, like, well, we're going over to mom's today. I mean, she said she was going to cook dinner. Who knows if we'll get there and it'll be cooked or not. Or, I mean, I asked, her to, I asked her to make it, but who knows? You know, she works in mysterious ways, so you never know. You may, <laughs> you may get there and it could be or not be. You know, it just depends on what her will was today. You know, you have, you have no idea. That would be so insulting. Because especially if she made it clear, if she said, I'm doing this today at this time, it's now about her character, isn't it? It's now about her character because is she a person that does what she says she's going to do or not? Is she faithful to do? Does she always come through when she says that she will? And I'm telling you that God is more faithful than anybody that you've ever met in your life. And God will do what he says that he's going to do. But a lot of people don't understand prayer and how it works and why it works and and so some they may have prayed one time and it worked and they pray another time and it didn't and so they, they don't really understand it and it's, it's so it's kind of like a misfire you know well I don't know that one worked this one didn't it's like a misfire it didn't happen but there are reasons why prayer works and there are reasons why prayer doesn't work okay and we're going to talk about a few of those over the next few weeks but but here's the first thing I want you to know is that prayer is one of the most powerful forces on this planet. And I think we take for granted the fact that we have access to a loving, all-powerful God that has invited you to come and make, request, make your request known to Him. And if He wants to, and, and, and if it's, and it meets these parameters we're going to talk about this morning, if He decides to, and He points His finger in the right direction, everything can change. We're talking about miracles, we're talking about healing. We're talking about marriages healed. We're talking about freedom from addiction. We're talking about the hardest heart being soft and, and, and made, made to, uh, to be born again. We're talking about nations changing because of the power of prayer. These are the kinds of things that we see in Scripture. So one of the first things that we have to establish is what happens uh, in this world and in prayer, is it all up to God or not? Okay, is it is it just everything is the will of God? No matter what happens, you know, good, bad, prayer answered, not. It's just it's all up to the will of God. And this is kind of the, and I don't mean this offensive if you think this way. It just it it comes across to me as a little bit of a lazy approach. Like rather than actually find out why things work the way they do, it's just a lot easier to say, well, it's just all up to God. He's going to do what he wants to do anyway. Except there's one big problem with that. It's opposite of what Scripture teaches. It's not all up to God. 
And you might say it's all up to God in this way. Yeah, because he set things up and made the rules. But when he did, he put a lot up to you. And he put a lot under your authority. And he put a lot of responsibility on man. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, But if prayer getting answered is just all on God's end, okay? I'm going to show you just from a few scriptures this morning that's not the case we're going to run through these kind of quick Matthew 21 22 th- Jesus said this specifically he said and whatever you ask in prayer you will receive wow that's a big one but there's an if at the end of it whatever you ask in prayer you receive if you have faith so we know right off the bat there's a there's a contingency isn't it whatever you ask in prayer you will receive if everybody say if can't get around that if. Doesn't? Tell you what it doesn't say. Whatever you ask in prayer, you'll receive if it's God's will. That's not what he says. He says you'll receive if you have faith. So right off the bat, we know faith is a prerequisite, but that's not what... I'm just showing you that it's not all on God's end. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Oh, no. So now, our, our life plays a role in this too. He says, if you are a wicked, sinful person that's not following God, he says, the Lord is far from you. Other places it says he will not hear your prayer. But here it is, but he hears the prayer of who? The righteous. Okay, so see, he's not on God's end, because all, all on God's end, because we're finding out some things on our end that need to be right. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So now we find out, well, faith is involved, righteousness is involved, and also we need to be asking and praying in line with God's will. In other words, I can't get mad at you and pray for God to kill you. He's not going to honor that because that's not in his will, right? That's not in line with his will. So note, you do have to pray in line in accordance with the will of God. How do you find out what the will of God is? His word. His word is the revealed will of God. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of who? A righteous person has great power as it is working. What about the prayer of an unrighteous person? He said the prayer of a righteous person has great power. What about the prayer of an unrighteous person? I would, I would assume from that that it has little to no power. So again, not all on God's end. So what are the most important things to have right in order for prayer to be effective and powerful? Of course, the reason we're talking about this is because we're in the middle of 21 days, and presumably we're doing a lot of praying, okay? Now, a lot of my praying is really just about communion and fellowship with God. I'm not really necessarily asking for anything. But as part of prayer, we will begin, of course, naturally to ask for things and pray for other people, pray for ourselves, pray for our kids, pray for our churches, And we want those prayers to be answered. I do. I don't like wasting time. I don't know about you. I don't like wasting time. I don't like wasting my breath. If it's not going to be answered, there's no point in me praying for it. So I'm not praying like as a religious duty so God goes, oh, look at that good little boy praying. I I believe prayer is supposed to work. And and it's supposed to actually produce results. And so we're going to talk about what do I think are the most important things to have right for prayer to be effective. Or you could say 
what will help my prayers to be more effective and more powerful. The first thing we're going to talk about is obedience. Now, this could be tied to righteousness as he was talking about earlier. Because he was talking about the prayer of a righteous person. But it, you could say that this way, the prayer of an obedient person. Some, because righteousness in, in that context, which he's using it, is just obedience to God's word. It's the opposite of just being a sinner. You know, someone that obeys the word of God and follows the word of God. So just, but we're going to talk about it from two, obedience from two different standpoints. The first one is kind of how we've been talking about it. Just this general idea that you need to live obedient and holy. James 4, 1, uh, it says, what, what causes quarrels, what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Okay, it says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Did you know there was a wrong way to pray? That's what James said. He said, you ask and do not receive because why? You ask wrongly. To spend it on your own passions. In other words, your prayer, the, the people he's addressing here, he says, your prayers are selfish. You're praying, you're praying for selfish stuff. You, he said, so it's not in line with God's will. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Well, obviously, if there's a way to ask wrong, there's a way to ask right. To spend it on your own passions. He says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, this whole passage right here, it, it kind of circles around prayer. And he's basically talking, and remember, he's writing to a church. He's not writing to sinners out in the world. He's writing to people in the church. And he says, hey, there's, you got a lot going on. You're fighting, you're quarreling, you're selfish, you got all kind of wrong motives, and you're wondering why you pray and you don't get anything answered. He says, I need to kind of lay this out for you. Let me tell you, the, the prayers that are powerful are the prayers of a righteous person. Okay, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Nobody is. But... You've got to be seeking and striving to obey and live a holy life, live a righteous life before God. It makes a difference when it comes to your prayers. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that without holiness, no one will see God could say it this way, no one will approach God. No one will be in relationship with God without holiness. Now, the word, uh, the command that it gives us here is strive for holiness. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you found yourself striving for holiness? Like thinking about it in those terms. And I'm, I'm just striving to live holy. Unfortunately, what I see a lot of time with Christians, it's not really striving for holiness. It's finding out what the edge is between holiness and sin and trying to live as close to that edge as they can. It's almost more striving for finding out, well, what can I get away with and still sort of be a Christian, but, you know, live my life the way that I want. This can creep in. And he said, the question is not, where's the line that I can just walk, tiptoe that line and be as close to the world, but yet kind of still being in God. He said, no, you ought to be striving for holiness. Striving for holiness. Let me just tell you this too. I always got to say this. I'm not standing up here as a preacher that is perfectly holy and has everything right. 
Okay, I, I'm with you in this. I'm preaching to myself this morning too. This is every believer that has to walk this out. And this is one of the, the great things about fasting because it helps us realign in these areas. If you haven't been striving for holiness and you've been off track, fasting's a great time to get back on track. And it always is for me to go, man, I've been living in the flesh. I've been pursuing these things and I, I want to get some things right and go after God. So we're all in this together, okay? I'm not like pointing the finger at you this morning. This is something we're all doing together. But we should be striving for holiness, and what James tells us is that will affect our prayers. Okay? So obedience in general is important for your, for your prayers. Um, but that's actually not the kind of obedience I'm talking about this morning. All right? I want to talk specifically when it comes to the realm of prayer. There's a, there's a little bit different emphasis on obedience that I'm talking about this morning. All right? And I'm going to give you an example. We can look together in 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want to give you this example. All right, imagine you have a, a wife, godly woman, living for God, following God, and she's, she's praying for her husband who is not a believer and he's not saved, right? Now, we've already established the power of prayer. We've already established, man, you've got a direct line to God. And I'm praying for this person. God can change them. It should be simple, right? I should be able to go to God. Lord, pray for them. He just, you know, he, he does his thing. And, and a miracle happens in their life. And they're, they're born again. Wouldn't it be great if it was that simple? What I want to show you is, before you pray, you need to obey. Man, see, that was one of those rhyming phrases that was like, had a little bit of soul in it. It wasn't delivered with any soul, unfortunately. That's not my strength. But before you pray, you need to obey. Okay? And, and, I, and here's what I mean by that. Before you start going to God asking Him to do something for you, you need to find out, is there anything that He's already instructed you to do on this issue and on this topic? Because I can tell you this, your prayers are never going to work until you do that first. All right, let, let me give you an example. If I told, if my son came to me and he said, Dad, uh, I need $20 to, to, you know, put towards these tennis shoes or something I want to buy. And I said, so he, that he's made his request known to his father, right? Dad, can I have $20? And I said, no, you can't have $20, but what you can do is you can go mow the grass and wash my truck and I'll give you then I'll give you $20. Now, is it going to do any good for him to keep coming to me asking for $20? No. no, because I already told him how to get the $20. So now there's no more need for prayer. Now it's time to obey. You prayed, you got your answer, but you didn't like it. So you see, prayer a lot of times is just, God, do this for me because I don't feel like doing it. God, do, do this because I, I don't, I'm not obeying. I'm not doing right in this area. And it sure would be a lot easier if God would just come down and do, and do it. That's not how it works. That's not what prayer is. A lot of times when we go to God for prayer, what we get instead of a miracle, when we go to God for prayer, a lot of times what we actually get is instruction. And then that instruction has to be obeyed. So going back to 1 Peter... 
and you're this, imagine you're this, you're, you're, you're a wife, you're saved, and you're praying for your husband who is unsaved, and you're praying, I can tell you what God's going to say. He's going to say, I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I want you to obey this first. This is where we're going to start. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. Oh, my Lord. Uh, wow. They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see their respectful and pure conduct. Let me just tell you, before you start praying for your husband, you got to go get this right first. Now, in doing this for a while and talking, because when I talk about a believing wife praying for an unbelieving husband, that's not a hypothetical example. That's one that I encounter a lot over and over, or it could be reversed, husband praying for a wife. I always point them here because here's what I know. Uh, there's no point in praying until you're doing this. So you gotta, you gotta obey before you pray because God's already given you instruction on that area. You want your prayers to be powerful? Align your obedience with your prayer. And what I actually see a lot of times is wives, and this is just an example, by the way. This isn't what my sermon's about. I'm just trying to show you the power of obedience. What I see a lot of times is wives doing the exact opposite of this scripture. They're they're on their husbands all the time. Well, you know, I just wish you'd go to church with me. Well, you know, you, why, how come you don't go to church with me? You know, you're not setting a good example. And so what are they doing? They're trying to accomplish it because they don't have enough faith to believe this scripture. They don't have enough faith to obey this scripture and watch God work. And so they try to do it in their own strength. And listen, it, just because you obey this scripture for two days doesn't mean your husband's going to turn around overnight. But I can tell you, that as you obey this scripture, you're creating power and, and you're setting up a platform now for God to work on your behalf and so that when you do go to pray for your spouse and you're aligning this, you actually have grounds now to pray for your spouse. In other words, I can go to God and say, God, according to your word in 1 Peter 3, you said, wives, be subject to your own husband that if some do not obey, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Lord, I've been obeying this. I've been following this. I've been doing this. And so now, Lord, I pray for my husband that your word would be performed in their life. That's a whole different kind of prayer. Because now I'm praying for, from a place of obedience to God's words. And, all, and everything is aligning now to create that power. That's why the word of God says that the prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available. Why? Because you are righteous in the fact that you're obeying his word and that's going to make tremendous power available through your prayers. So most of the time that we go to God for prayer, it's not going to be like we think, okay? It's not going to be just I pray and God snaps his fingers and everything changes. More often than not, more often than not, when I go to God for prayer about something, I'm going to get some kind of instruction. I'll give, you, I'll give you another example. If I'm praying over a relationship and I say, okay, uh, let's just, this is, this is hypothetical. Okay, this person hates me. I hate them. I know that's not the word of God. We need to forgive. So I just pray for peace in this relationship. And what do we want? We want God to like come down with his magic wand and next time I see him, we're just peaceful. Everything's just fine. Everything is, no, that's just not what happens. 
So we're going to have to obey the Word of God. I can think right off the bat, the Word of God says to pray for your enemies and love your enemies. And usually that's where He's going to point me. So He might, this is how God is, He might have me do something really, really kind for that person that's outside of everything in me that I want to do. But through that act of obedience, my prayer is going to begin to be answered. So your obedience and your prayers have to align. They have to be connected. Anything that I'm praying for, I first want to find out, is there something in Scripture that I should be obeying on this topic? Is there something that God gave specific instruction about of how I should follow this and how I should walk this out? Uh, because if so, there's no point in praying. Does that make sense? There's no point in praying. Because he told me how to get this thing. And so I need to go walk that out first. Now, now if I'm obeying, and this is possible, if I'm obeying and I'm still not getting the result, that's where the power of prayer comes in. Because now I have grounds to stand and say, God, I've obeyed your word and I know your word is true. And so I have faith that this thing's going to happen like you said it was going to happen. That is way more powerful than just living in disobedience to God's word but asking God to just perform the miracle anyway. I'll give you another example. Okay, this one's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. These are all things I've seen happen in the church world. Imagine you're somebody that, you know, you're not in a very good financial situation. All right, maybe your job is terrible. Finances are struggling. Your car's breaking down. You got all kind of problems. Every time you turn, you're just stacking up one problem after another. And so you go to God and you say, God, I need some help. My finances are falling apart. I can't make ends meet. You know, I'm just trying to serve you, but all I can ever think about is money because it just, I don't have any. And so that's what I end up thinking about, and everything is working. Nothing is working. And so you, you pray about it. And again, when we pray about it, we just want God to snap, our, snap his fingers, and all of a sudden, all of our financial problems are solved. We want to start, like, receiving checks in the mail and promotions at work, and, and everything just starts changing because we prayed about it. It doesn't work like that because there's a lot that you have to be obeying when it comes to finances. And I'm going to give you one in Malachi 3, but the Word of God is full, full of scriptures like this. Malachi 3.10, we get instructed, bring the full tithe, that's 10%, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. In other words, take care of the house of God with the tithe. And then he says, thereby put me to the test if I will not open the, look at this. By doing that, through obedience, he said, put me to the test and see if I will not respond by opening the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil and the vine in your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. This is a promise from God. And I'm amazed at how many people will not follow this, but then they want God to get involved in their finances. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Can I say this to you also? Um, if you would do this, there would be very little need to pray over your finances. If you just do this, if we just follow this, you won't really have to go pray, because all this is going to happen automatically. He said, put me to the test and see if I will not do this. Now, this is just an example. We're not I'm not talking about money this morning. I'm just showing you this as an example because I hope that you can extrapolate this out to every area of your life that there's going to be a lot of things where God says in his word, if you do this, this will be the result. And if you're not doing this, you can't go pray about it. Does that make sense? 
That's why I say obedience is so powerful. I think a lot of times when people come to me as their pastor, they think that I have like a special connection with God to pray for stuff. Like, you know, and that's just a common mindset of Christian. You know, pastor, could you pray with me about this? Look, I can help. I, sure. Absolutely. But I'm just going to tell you, I have no more connection uh, or no more favor with God than the average believer. I, I have no more, you know, I, I have no more standing with God than, than the average believer. This is available to every single believer. And most of my counseling with people, most of my counseling, when people come and they say, I'm having this problem, this problem, this problem, I'm just going to be honest with you. Most of my counseling is not, hey, let's just pray about that. Now, I know for a lot of believers it would be. They hear a problem, they hear an issue. Hey, you know what? Let's just pray about that. I'm going to be honest with you. That's not usually my, my answer. Uh, because I want something that works. And most of the time somebody is explaining a problem that they're having to me, my mind, having read the scriptures through and through over and over and over again, and while they're telling me their problem, all I can think about is all the scriptures that pertain and speak to that problem. And all the instruction that's given about how you should handle that problem. And if you do it this way, this will be the result. So I can't in good conscience just say, hey guys, let's just pray over this and everything's going to work out. Not if you don't start obeying in that area, it's not. You're going to be disappointed and you're going to be disillusioned and you're going to arrive at a place that says, well, prayer, this prayer thing don't work. I tried to pray and nothing changed. I'm going to tell you in my life, I love prayer. I pray all the time. I believe in the power of prayer. You heard me say that in the beginning. But I'm going to tell you, in my, if I had to say one over the other, I'm going to tell you that obedience is more powerful than prayer. Because if you obey the word of God, it already has built-in promises attached and when you obey it, those things will happen in your life and you won't have to pray for them. If God says in his word, if you do this, this will happen. And you do it and you obey, guess what? It's going to happen. And you'll be walking in that regularly. And you won't have to be praying all the time. God, please do this. Please do this. Please accomplish this. There's a place for that. Don't misunderstand me. A lot, lot of room for prayer. A lot of place to pray. But in the body of Christ... I see a lot of times where there's no obedience and we're just looking, as prayer, looking for prayer as a way to just bail us out of all these situations and all these problems. And so we got to get that right. I, I, this is not me getting on to you. I'm just telling you the truth of how I believe if you want power in prayer, the, this, it has to start here. It starts with obedience to God's word. And I don't know what you're praying for right now. I don't know what you're believing God for or, or where you could use his involvement. But if there is a scripture, if there is things in his word that apply to that situation, I can promise you there is, that's where I would start. I would say, God, is there anything that I need to be obeying in this area or doing in this area to align my obedience with my prayer? And that's where you're going to see true power in prayer. Amen? Okay, boy, we're having fun this morning. I'm enjoying myself. I hope you are too. So number one, obedience. Number two, from the word, things, something we see that, that lends power and results when it comes to prayer is simple faith. Did you know that faith is required to see prayer answered? There's a big difference in a prayer that doesn't believe but I'm just praying to sort of try this out. 
there's a big difference than that in someone who is walking in true faith with God. So you'll get a very long way with obedience. However, there is still a, there is a place for faith in your prayers. Many believers do not realize that the promises of God often have to be appropriated, or you could say this way, they have to be enforced because we live in a broken, sinful world. We do not live in heaven. And I always, this, I always bring this up when people say, well, you know, isn't just God going to do His will? It, no. As a matter of fact, just think about the way He taught us to pray when He said, when He taught us to pray. He said, pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. How? I pray, He said, pray that the will of God would be done on earth as it's done in heaven. So, where is the will of God being done? In heaven. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. You look at heaven, what do you see? No sickness, no pain, no lack, no sin, perfect fellowship. It's obvious. The perfect will of God is being done where? In heaven. Not on earth. You look at earth, what do you see? Brokenness, sin, abuse, addiction, all kind of horrific, horrible problems, murder, violence. You think that's the will of God? Again, I, I just, I, but this, some, some Christians believe this way. This is the will of God. Perfect will of God is happening. Listen, the perfect will of God is happening in heaven. That's why he said, pray that the will of God be done on earth as it's done in heaven. In other words, we, we are here trying to enforce the will of God. We are here trying to apply the will of God. That's what we are doing here as ambassadors of Christ is we're spreading the light of God, we're spreading the gospel, we're spreading the word so that the will of God is done everywhere that we go and everywhere that we enforce it. But no, the perfect will of God is not done on this planet and there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm not saying that the will of God's not done. I'm not saying that God's not sovereign over certain things and that God can't do whatever he wants whenever he wants it. I'm just, and that's not the sermon this morning. We, but I can explain to you from Scripture why things are the way that they are. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, but we're not going to talk about it this morning. But here's what I want you to know. The will of God is not always done, and that's why we have to pray. We pray so that the will of God can be done. Right? There's a lot of situations where the will of God is not being done, and that's why we pray and we say, God, I pray your will over this situation that this would be done. We're not wasting our time when we do that. We're actually accomplishing something. And so, so, we're, so uh, yes, we have promises of God. Yes, we have the will of God. But many times a believer has to stand and appropriate the will of God in that area. For example, if you're a parent and you have children that are not following God and they're, and they're away from God, you've got to stand and fight for your children and fight that the will of God be done in their life. You're, you're, the only, uh, you're the only thing that is resisting the will of the enemy being done in their life. And you stand and fight and you say, no, the will of God will be done in your life. You will follow God. You will love God. You're praying that over them. You're fighting for that in their life. And it matters whether you do it or whether you don't. You can't just throw up your hands and go, oh, the will of God will be done. Oh, the will of God will be done, so I, I'm not going to worry about it. Again, that's, that's not scriptural and it's lazy Christianity. Why is it that way? Well, I don't know if you knew it or not, uh, but there is a devil. There is a devil. And what you see in the ministry of Jesus 
is you see the kingdom of God encountering the kingdom of darkness and and the kingdom of God dispelling the kingdom of darkness. You see it over and over again. He encounters somebody who's demon-possessed. Is that the will of God that that person is demon-possessed? Obviously not. Jesus cast the devil out and said, be free. So you see the will of God being spread everywhere Jesus goes. Okay, how is he doing it? By faith. His Obviously, we know he had the obedience part, right? He lived a perfect life, never sinned. One reason we see so much power in his ministry. But then there's also the faith element that we are uh, taught as well. Mark 11, chapter 23, verse 24. Notice how Jesus taught about these things. Okay, he said, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now let's pause and I want to ask you. Every step that Jesus lays out here, is it important? Is there any, any step that can be skipped? Is he wasting his breath? Does it matter whether you say to this mountain or not? And this is important because some people, again, they don't, they don't understand the pur- purpose of prayer. And they think, why even pray? God already knows what I need. And the will of God is going to be done, so why do this? But Jesus taught that you have authority to say to this mountain. Now, this is interesting because this is actually not really him uh, praying, but he's speaking to the mountain. And he says, if you say to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. Again, notice, he didn't say if you ask God to take the mountain and throw it into the sea. That's a big difference. He doesn't say if you ask God to take the mountain and throw it into the sea. That's not what he says. He says, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received and it will be yours. Do you see the importance that the role of faith plays in prayer? Remember, Jesus is the one explaining this. And and people might think, well, nobody can do that. Nobody can speak to a mountain. Nobody can speak to a mountain and have it cast into the sea. Well, just so you know, that line of thinking, you're disqualified immediately because faith is required. But I'll grant it to you. I'll grant it to you that for just a second. But I think what he's saying here is he's setting the ideal. He's saying for a person of faith, okay, whether anybody's ever going to reach this or not, for a person that walks in true faith, there's no limits of what can be accomplished. Why? Because they're connected to a God that has no limits. It's not that they can do it. But they're connected to a God that created that mountain. They're connected to a God that spoke the universe into existence. So there's, there's no limits of faith. You know, if, if we pray something generic like, Lord, I just pray that, you know, your presence would be in this service today. That's kind of hard to measure, isn't it? But then if we pray, this person has cancer and we pray that they be healed. Or we pray, this person only has one leg. We pray that the other leg would grow out. I mean, you know, that, <laughs> that'd be a miracle. Did you know for God, there's no difference? It, it's like the difference of you lifting a paper clip or a coffee cup. There's no difference. For us, it's this huge thing. Oh, that would be some big miracle. Not to God. 
thought to God, he created the whole galaxy. He created the whole universe. He, he created the sun and the stars and all things. To, to, he created the human body in the first place. He, how do you think the thing grew in the womb to begin with? So growing limbs or healing cancer through the immune system, all of that's easy for God. It's not hard. The problem is our faith. Because we're, we're challenged by what we see with our physical senses and it, and it overwhelms us and we can have faith for something small but for something big, whoo, that's, that's hard. I don't, know, I don't know if God could do that. Well, that's where the challenge lies. But notice again what Jesus said. He said, I'm just telling you, there is no big and small with God. Whoever says to this mountain, he just found the most impossible thing that was around him. He said, if, whoever said to this mountain over here to my left, you know, he's standing there by Mount Olive or something. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. This is a faith issue. It does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Now notice the last verse. This is key. He says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. This is so interesting to me. Because he reverses the natural order of things. He says, believe that you have received it, then you will receive it. In other words, tr true faith at the, at the right level believes that they have already received it, acts as if they have already received it before they ever actually receive the thing. And that's how you know your faith is real. That, that's how you know your faith is at the level that he's talking about. And listen, let me tell you, you can't fake this. You can't, you can't be religious about this and just, and just say the right things. You know, somebody comes and they say, oh, how are you feeling today? Oh, healed, brother, healed, just blessed on every side. Well, okay, but he didn't say just, you know, fake some things and say it. He said, whoever believes in his heart and does not doubt. In other words, it's a reality to you. Let me, let me, uh, the, one of the best examples I could give you is when this building got paid off. Because we were walking in a, in a place of faith, believing for God to, to financially, you know, bless us and, and take care of the church. And we, we wanted, we were believing for the church to be paid off. And I remember arriving at the place of freedom that we were debt free before we were ever actually debt free. And I know that sounds crazy to people. But some, when, when we finally did, it actually happened, and God blessed us, and, and the whole thing, was the debt was canceled off the building, and miraculously, and all of that. Some of you know the story. Somebody asked me after, they said, boy, I bet that's a big weight off of your shoulder. And I, and I wasn't trying to be Mr. Spiritual or nothing like that, but I thought to myself, I said, you know, really, it's not, because I already was free from that weight several months ago. Like, I, I actually got the freedom of it before I ever got the, the result in the, in the natural. And as if you're struggling with a health crisis, you know, a health challenge in your body, maybe something impossible, maybe cancer or heart issue or something serious, if you're struggling with that, and there's any anxiety or there's any stress or there's any worry in your life, let me just tell you, you're not in faith. You're not in faith. Now, you're, you might be struggling to get in faith. You might be fighting to get in faith. You might be fighting to stay in faith. I get it. I've walked it out. I'm not looking at you like, oh, you don't have any faith. Not at all. Paul said there's a fight to faith, okay? But I'm just telling you, as long as there's any stress or any anxiety or any fear or any worry in your life, you're not at this place that he's talking about. 
we're so used to living with all of that constantly that we just think it's normal. We go, well, of course, that's normal to have that. It might be normal, but it's not going to produce these kind of results. Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be thrown in the sea, and you do not doubt in your heart, fear, worry, anxiety, stress, is all just different words for what he's talking about here. You do not doubt in your heart. Because here's the thing. If you got a report from the doctor today that said you were cancer-free, guess what? All of that stress and all of that anxiety would just disappear. So what that means is you're not going to believe you have it until you receive it. That's the opposite of what he says. He says you've got to believe you receive it before you receive it. And that's what activates true faith. James chapter 1, verse 5. James said, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask God. So talking about prayer. You need wisdom, all right? He says, great. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask how? In faith. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from God. It can't get any clearer than that. If faith is not important, this scripture makes no sense. He said, you're free to ask God for wisdom, and God will grant it. But he said, I need you to know something up first. He said, you've got to ask in faith, and you can't have doubt. He said, because that person will not receive anything from God. We're going to keep talking about this in the weeks to come, because there's so much to be said here. And what I don't want you to walk away with today is feeling discouraged, because you go, well, man, I try to pray, but then I still worry. Hey, welcome to the club. That's, that's all of us. But here's what I've learned. There is a way to keep growing in your faith in an area that completely eliminates doubt, fear, and worry, and you can get in a true place of faith. You don't get to just choose it. You can't will it. It's not a willpower thing. But the Word of God teaches us how we can actually arrive at a place of true and complete faith in, in, in an issue and in an area. And that's when you're going to see results in your life. Now I have one more as we were talking about how to produce true power in our prayers. But the worship team is, you know, they're rushing me with the pad and all this more. So, so now I, I feel like I got to, I feel like I feel like I got to finish. No, it is, it, we're getting at that time. And no, no need to rush through it. We'll just come back next week and we'll, we'll keep learning and, and growing on these things. But I, I'll give you a brief preview of it. It just has to do with our authority in Christ because the word of God teaches us that we were that that Jesus actually gave you authority to accomplish things and there's some things he actually doesn't want you to ask him for he wants you to exercise your authority that he gave you over that over that issue we're going to spend some time talking about that uh, next week and and we're going to go through the obedience the faith and the authority in more detail I just kind of wanted to give you a little primer of it this morning and the whole point of it the whole point of it is just so that we can begin to experience the true power that's available to us in prayer. Can you imagine if every person in this room started learning and understanding how to, to access that true power that's available to us in prayer? Can you imagine how our church would be different? Can you imagine how our families would be different? How our, how our jobs and our businesses would be different if we understood how to access the true power of prayer that's available to us? As you think about this over the next few weeks, I want to I want to challenge you in this. Don't, don't be content to just hold on.
to what you've always believed on this subject. I want you to submit what you believe to the Word of God. And if what you think about it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I want you to be willing to change it. Because a lot of times, uh, you know, people, they're believing a certain way and then they're also not getting results. And you think, well, well, this isn't working. Well, it's tied to your belief system on it. And so we've got to submit that to the Word of God. Amen?